If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may also know me from my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. You will see that my name is highlighted in the description of the podcast. That's because it's a live link and you can click onto that and go and listen to a load of my podcasts if you want. But for now, I am merely your servant. I am your guide through the world that is all things Motorhead. And today is no different. As always, we are uh, focusing more around the Ace of Spades album than anything else because we've just had the anniversary and we had the amazing re-releases at the end of last year and I'm sure you've all been listening to them and been amazed by them. And the feedback we're getting, you're enjoying the podcast too. So thank you very much and please do feedback anything you like. Give us hints, tips, ideas, questions, criticisms, praise. Praise is always good. We love a bit of praise. When I say we, I mean me, obviously. Um, But uh, yeah, please do interact with us as much as you can. Um, Hashtag the motorcast anywhere. I will see that and I will respond if you've got a question. Um, And just, you know, tell people spread the word if you would that would be so kind and please do get everyone to subscribe as hopefully you are doing yourself because if you subscribe to the podcast it means you get a brand new episode arriving in your player every fortnight and there's nothing that you have to do it's just right there hey what a wonderful world that we live in without further ado let's get stuck into this week's interview and I'm sure this next guest is known to you all already. It is indeed Enid Williams, original founding member, bassist and vocalist of Girl School. She um, spared her time, very generous with her time and we had a right old chat about everything. Girl School obviously were a significant part of Motorhead history, they still are, hence Enid is on the show, and I can't wait for you to listen to this. This is the chat that we had a few weeks ago. Do you remember when you first met, um, you know, the band? Was it just, you know, did you just meet one of them, or did you all bump into each other? Well, no, we first met Lemmy because we, um, at the end of 78, we recorded our single with City Records. And Phil Scott was somebody in the local area that we'd met at the the very first gig that we'd done. And uh, he said, do you want to make a single? You know, it was was kind of the the punk era, the DIY period. And we said, yeah, sure. So we we did the single Take It All Away. And we, I remember we came out of the studio and John Peel was standing there. We said, oh, you play our single. And... He put, of course, he played it on his show, which was just brilliant. Yeah. And Doug Smith, who was Motorhead's manager, heard it and said, I, I think this band would be great for um, going on tour with you. And, I mean, Motorhead were... Well, Lemmy was known because of Silver Machine, of course, and Hawkwind, but Motorhead weren't, uh, weren't a big band at, at that point, but they were just... Um, putting together the Overkill tour. And, right. yeah, I mean, it was a theatre tour, but it was 
by no means sold out. They were just on the way up at that point. So anyway, Lemmy comes down to our rehearsal room and uh, he walks in and looking really quite frightening. We, we saw a picture of the guys and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> they look terrifying. Um, but he came in and immediately saw that we could, we could play and that was it. I mean, of course, he, he had a bit of a, a crush on Kelly straight away too, but it was, yeah, we could play and um, and that was that. He, he liked us and uh, we were on the tour. We met the other guys afterwards, but it was, it was, yeah, Lemmy's decision straight away. It was just, it was, it was a perfect fit, really, because Take It All Away was, was our first single, and it was so, you know, three-chord rock and roll song, which is just, Lemmy always used to say that they were a rock and roll band, never a metal band. Um, and it's true, you know, those, his love went back to the, the 53 chord songs, and that's what our first single was, really. So it, it fitted together like a glove. Yeah, yeah, and and that must have been an amazing tour to be on as well. Yeah, it it was. We it, it's, <laughs> some things I've written down and some things I haven't. You know, so it's, it's sort of <laughs> casting one's mind back. But it was sort of around early '79, so it's really early early times. And we went over to France. Oh, we did a few, few dates um, in Britain, uh, but we went over to France. That's where the, the tour was. And, um, yeah, it was great. Because it was just all... It's that sort of um, feeling of, of possibility. Of it's that, It was that kind of excitement, like we were just going for what we wanted to do. And it was... What I remember from the early days was it was special brew. There was no, there was no Jack Daniels. Nobody could afford a bottle of Jack Daniels for God's sake. <laughs> no, it was it was all special brew. God, that that is some. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I was around and just starting my my drinking career in those years, and um, God, special brew was. Um, that was that was that was remain remained the preserved of preserve of hardened drinkers. Usually living on the street, it was uh, it's so sweet and sickly and uh, but uh, but yeah, it was all special brew, and then it well, it moved on from there. But yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and so, what we, I mean, what your sort of specific? Well, if you have any specific memories of that tour, because I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's, it's a long time ago. But that must have been that must have been like you said the possibilities. It must have been so exciting um, to all of a sudden, you know, be on the road having just put you know one single out, and all of a sudden you're you know you're on tour with Motorhead. Yeah, but but it wasn't like oh you're on tour with Motorhead. Motorhead weren't weren't that big at that moment. Yeah. So it was you know it it was late seventy eight. We had. Um, take it all away and it was I think it was around about spring 79 um, we were touring with Motorhead roughly around that sort of period and with the Overkill tour that you know they'd had their first album but Overkill was the, was the first really where they had their sound together um, and oh that track that, 
seeing that on stage with those, with those double bass drums, it was just, it was stunning. But, you know, we, we're playing theatres and they were, you know, there was a respectable crowd there. But Motorhead were not Motorhead, you know. It, it was, <laughs> they were on the, the way up at that point and there was, you know, very few people thought the Motorhead were going to do anything, I imagine, at that time. And then, of course, Bomber came, you know, fast on the on the, the tails. But it wasn't until, um, you know, so this was all through through seventy nine, and then and into eighty. It's, it, you know, and even even with Ace of Spades, when that came out, of course, Motorhead had, had achieved a certain status at that point, but it still. It was, I believe, selling over a period of several months. And it was when Please Don't Touch happened that just shot both bands up to another another level. So it sort of, it kind of happened in stages. But, you know, doing the Overkill tour and 79, Motorhead were, you know, it was, they were trying to build a, a career and a following, but they were not huge I think the the big big one there's several turning points of course when they went on top of the pops doing the single of Ace of Spades that was was a a a great moment um and Bingley Hall that was that was the the sort of one of those moments where it was like wow yeah wow (laughs) you know because it was I think it's about 8,000 people um and it was it was the hottest gig. <laughs> <laughs> I think they ran out of drink quite early on as well. It was so unbelievable. How can you run out of drink at a gig like that? Um, but yeah, and and even into eighty, things were just you know moving up step by step. But it was the Bingley Hall. It felt like suddenly it, it exploded, and then um, yeah. I think Ace Spades came out sort of around the end of 1980, and we jumped straight in the studio to do Please Don't Touch for the Christmas New Year time. Came out, of course, on Valentine's Day, and it was it was such a big hit that took No Sleep Till Hammersmith to number one. And I think Ace of Spades went gold after that point. It had been out several months. It was selling steadily, um, but that just took it up to the next level, and that's when things became huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did um, how did uh, Please Don't Touch um, and and you know the EP? How did that all come about? Well, it was. I think it was Vic Mail suggested the track because he was from that that era and loved all the sort of fifties bands, and Lemmy was familiar with it. Um, and I guess because of the two bands going together, just the, the way in which it could, could work for the two bands together. So it, it seemed to, to fit in, in every way. And, um, I mean, I suppose I remember doing the music. It's because of the way that Lemmy plays bass, that, that whole chordal thing, yeah. it was very easy for me to do a sort of more... Um, I did quite a, a standard sort of walking bass line, so there's no problem having two two basses because he 
played it so much like a rhythm guitar anyway. Yeah, you and were you course, were never going to sort of clash with each other. No, no. And of course, um, Filthy had uh, got very drunk one night. Well, one night? <laughs> he got, got very drunk and uh, was on somebody's shoulders at five in the morning or whatever, and the guy fell over and, um, of course, Filthy broke his neck. <sighs> um, I guess being so drunk, you're kind of limp and floppy and... Uh, you know, he was lucky not to be in a wheelchair. Um, so it was just one, one lot of drums for that reason. Um, so it, it just all came together really, really naturally. And it was just a fun, fun thing to do. So, 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 it, so basically, uh, it, what you're saying is Filthy doesn't play on it because he's been pissing about and broke his neck. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A few weeks earlier or something, he, he was... He came into the studio, he might have played tambourine or something, um, but even on top of the pops, I think, does he still have his neck brace on? But, you know, it, it was, he, he was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> he was really lucky. The atmosphere in the studio, was it kind of, you know, party on, or was it pretty much, right, you know, it's hard, let, let's, let's get the work done? Because we were doing Bomber and they were doing Emergency, the songs already existed, so they, you know, everyone just had to learn their part or create their part or whatever. Um, so, as I recall, it, it was all quite fast and, and quite quite fun because, yeah, the songs were there. Everyone had a pretty good idea of what they were going to do, and we just we just put it down. And um, and because it was around that Christmas New Year sort of period, people are in that sort of frame of mind. Um, so yeah, it was it was great to to go in the studio and um, much less stressful than doing our own albums and so on, where you're everyone's vying for their songs to go on and uh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. I know, I, I know, I know what you mean. It was like like you say, you're heading up towards Christmas time. The songs are already written. All you got to do is play them, and you know, and that. That that's probably about as as kind of as as easy a, a, a studio experience as you can have, really. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was. I, I remember you know, he coming over with the with the bass, and and I said, "Oh, well, this is what I would think you'd play." And he said, "Well, this is what I'm thinking you play." Done. <laughs> it was just, um, and maybe that comes across. It's a fun song. It's 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 lightweight, but it's fun. It just worked, and. Um, I think it was probably Doug's idea to call it the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but that that tied in quite well with the two bands, and it yeah, it was a great it was a great period. Yeah, and and um, and quite an ironic title as well, as you like you say, because uh, yeah, really, it's it's you know it's the two bands having fun together as opposed to a massacre. Yeah, it was guys and moles or whatever. It, yeah, it worked. Like the Three Amigos, it it just it, it's fun. It was fun, and it's. Um... And did you um, did you end up crossing paths um, with um, with the gang much over the years? We did. We we went on tour. Um, I I don't recall because um, there was quite a, a long tour with Ace of Spades. It went on for you know a big chunk of of the year. And I think we we were on part of the the tour. Um, then, of course, 
there was this period where I was out of the band and Lenny's girlfriend was in there. So obviously that's kind of a quite a strange period for me. Um, and the, the band toured together. When I rejoined in 99 and um, Jackie came on board around, around that time, it had been very difficult in the 90s for a lot of bands and uh, there wasn't really management or proper record companies. It was quite tough to build the band back up again. Yeah. But it, it really it really helped in 2000 and I think it was 2005, the, the guys got us back and that made a big difference. We were, um, I don't think, who else? The Swedish band. There's so many Swedish bands. <laughs> <laughs> in Flames, that was it. Oh, right, yes, of course. Oh, I remember seeing the posters. We'd, our dressing room would be kind of quite raucous with um, quite a lot of partying going on. And um, we'd sort of knock on in Flames' door to ask them something or whatever, and it would be completely silent. And they <laughs> they were all in there on their, their um, pads or laptops or, or whatever. I go, what, what is this? What? <laughs> it was so strange. It's like, this isn't, this isn't like normal bands kind of stuff. And there was a point, like, several years later, we're all, maybe it was, like, two motel tours after that, we're all sitting in our dressing room, we're looking round, we're going, oh, God, it's happened to us now. <laughs> Everyone on their phones. But, uh, yeah. yeah did, that, that was 2000, and, and I think it was 2005, and then we toured with them again, um, bloody hell, 2009, maybe, or whatever. And, um... And then there was a, a third tour. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just brilliant, of course. Yeah, and and for that for that to come back, um, to, for that to come back around and for them to, um, to take you on the road again after all those years, that must have been really flattering as well. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's it's difficult because in many ways girls' schools should have gone further. I think there were so many reasons why not, but um, but yeah, at, certainly in in around that two thousand and five mark, it was an extremely challenging time, and so yeah, it it was it was really it was really nice, but they of course we didn't. We didn't really know um, Mickey D or, or Phil, uh, and it was a little strange for them because the association with the original Motorhead lineup and Girl School, it was such a strong kind of grouping that they were a little uncertain how how we were going to be. But yeah, it was all cool. I understand that as somebody who's in a band myself, and uh, and and I'm sure you understand it as well. It mu- it, it must have kind of been weird for them because there's there 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 is this association of of Motorhead and Girl School, which there always will be that 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 they effectively weren't part of and hadn't been part of before. Yeah, it's um, it's a, a strange one. People have got different ideas, I, I guess. I mean, there's something 
about original lineups. You're creating something. It's like giving birth to something. You know, it's it's like when we were touring in '79. I don't think we had any conception that there was going to be, um, you know, something like No Sleep Till Hammersmith two two years later. It, you know, it wasn't a, a you can look back in retrospect and it might seem obvious, but there was no guarantee that things were going to work out the way that they did. Really, looking back on it, you you kind of think this is how things are always going to be. But it really was um, a very exciting time because the, the band that, that, that has that first flush of success, there's something about that, that moment of it happening that you never completely recreate. But on the other hand, um, well, there were several Motorhead lineups and there were great things about each of the lineups. But of course... Nikki and Phil, you know, the whole band were together for, I don't know, 25 years or something. I mean, so they, loads of albums and, and so on. They were a fantastic lineup. They were great. It's just different. You, yeah. you can't really compare one one against the other. I mean, perhaps in, in some ways you might say, well, this musician technically is a better musician than that musician, perhaps. But it's the it's the chemistry between people. It's the I, th- I think Phil um, that that whole double bass drum sound. It was I mean Motorhead had had quite a unique sound. Lemmy's way of playing bass was was something quite unique, and and then Phil's drumming was quite unique. And Eddie had such a a tasteful way with. Um, sort of melodic riffs but quite simple and it just fitted together so so beautifully that's not a word that you associate with motorhead is it beautifully motorhead beautifully but, no but, but it was, I, it was yeah. magic quite magical that's and that's a and that's a great word and that is uh, and that is without a doubt something that people talk about when re- referring to that era and that lineup and especially the album Ace of Spades because you know it's the, it's the uh, everyone credits that as being really the first time you know Motorhead actually sounded like Motorhead on a record and it and it made all the difference I'm trying to think did uh, Vic Mayo did Ace of Spades didn't he do Overkill and Bomber no, no no of course it was Jimmy what's it wasn't it Jimmy Miller yeah yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that yeah, it, that was Vic's first. Um, yeah, that was Vic's first album with them. And um, uh, right, of course, yeah. And what you were saying about you know being uh, magical, a lot of people have said that 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 lineup was just. There's been some great lineups, but it was kind of it was the definitive lineup because that's the lineup that gave birth to Motorhead. I feel that's kind of the case without in any way taking away from oh, later yeah. lineups and of course absolutely it's very um yeah you, you can respect and enjoy a lot of different approaches um I, I suppose for me it's it's quite a personal thing as well because within girls school there's you know some of that same same thing i i you know you look at bands and um for example, 
take Alice Cooper. We did a couple of gigs with him in Spain. And it was quite funny because he was doing a big European tour and Twisted Sister were playing and they refused to go to Spain. <laughs> I mean, Spain is great, but it's it's got its own way of doing things. <laughs> manana. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's certainly some manana. But the, the, the biggest thing, I, w- I was um, engaged to a Spaniard, so, you know, I can say lots of lovely things about Spain. Um, but the big problem is that everything is so late. And, you know, you expect theatre gigs or concerts to finish by 11. Yeah. If it's a club, it's going to be later. <laughs> in Spain... It's like nobody turns up at clubs until two in the morning. Even the theatres and the the, con- the the big concert gigs uh, tend to be later. I've got a feeling that Alice Cooper might have gone on at, at something like one. And, that you know, there's a big sort of push for, you know, to try and get people on later. Because it's like nobody's going to be there if you're going on that early. Um, but, of course, we're used to... Yeah, we used, we used to sane times, I think, is what you mean. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I do, I do. I mean, I've, I've always been, I prefer, um, you know, I'm quite a morning sort of person in a way. And so I, I've always loved playing festivals. The best thing is to play a really, really big festival and go on sort of, you know, a reasonable time in the afternoon. Then you can drink as much as you like afterwards and great food. Yeah. And watch the other bands. Yeah. And be tucked up in bed by a decent hour. I like I like all the sex, drugs, rock and roll type of life, but just sort of many hours earlier than you would normally do. I know, I, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's it is um, it's a it's a lovely picture that you're painting. You know this. Um, a nice sunny festival during the day. You're on fairly early, and then you just get to you basically turn into a festival goer for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's such a luxury, such a, a privilege to to have have that. You know, especially if it's you know, bands that you love playing. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, if you're off your face, it's it's different. But, well, it, it, the thing you know, is, it, it's it's horrible, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've I've funnily enough, a couple of years ago, we did a we did a um, a show in um, in Spain, and we were we were on at half two in the morning, and um, it's you, you don't know what to do with yourself all day. <laughs> What's your band called? Um, Acid Rain, but the rain is spelt R E I G N. Oh, so, right. So we've okay, yeah, yeah we've 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 been around. Yeah, yeah. We've done a few things. Yeah, yeah, but it's been. I, I tell you, it 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 completely threw me. And I mean, you've actually got time to get drunk and sober up before you go on. <laughs> I mean, it's. I know the funny thing is, people listening to this will be thinking, "God, they're not very professional, are they? These musicians." But it's <laughs> it's the culture you live in, isn't it? Well, yeah. The, the problem is, of course, is. You know, sometimes you want a boost to go on stage, but if you're, you know, if you're, you're drinking yourself senseless every day, that's um, it's not great if if you're on tour for a year. 
yeah, 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 ever so slightly as well. So did did Twisted Sister make it to Spain, or did they just they just refuse to go? Oh yeah, basically it was like no, you know. I mean, they're very um, yeah, they're very professional bands, and and they you know the the way that Spain does things professionally is is just a more yeah, it's just a different culture. It's yeah. very different to a, a a kind of you know a hardworking New York business like head down band. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, um, so we did two gigs. Um, I think it was Barcelona and um, Madrid or Pamplona. I can't remember. Um, but but yeah, that because they wouldn't do that leg of the tour. We we went out and and did those two two gigs. Now that that is the that's the kind of tour that I can really get in, uh, I can really get on board with two two big two big shows in Spain and then home again. <laughs> well, we we always enjoyed doing um, doing festivals because it's um, and and if you can do two two gigs, that's just about perfect. But uh, you know, everything's going to be different. Um, who knows what how how things will will pan out in future? Yeah. But even if things are going very much back to some kind of normal, we we cannot continue the way that we have been. And I I sort of you know I asked myself a lot of questions in the past about what compromises I was prepared to make. And it's difficult when everyone around you isn't doing it. And you, so it's like, I look back and I go, well, I've certainly flown more than I feel comfortable with. But to a certain extent, there's no option. You either yeah. give up gigging yeah. um, or in our circumstance, that would have been the case. We'd go out and do festivals um, and so it would would be either we we didn't do it or we did it that way, because if you drive over, you can't you can't drive to Helsinki for one gig. You'd be spending three days driving each direction, and the cost of the hotels on the way and the way. I mean, it's it's just not really very doable. Yeah, yeah, and all, and also the thing is as well is promoters want you. Promote, promoters want to fly you because they don't want to see you driving all that way and likely, you know, and, and they want to remove all the chances of breakdowns and accidents and all the rest of it. Yeah. So that you know, they 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 want they ideally they want to they want to fly you in, stick you in a hotel room, do the gig, stick you in a hotel room, take you to the airport, and get rid of you again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's, that sounds it's... about right. So when was the um, when when was the um, the last time that um, that you that you saw Lemmy? There was that final tour where um, it, it was an extraordinary time, really, because yeah, those few months were were really really extraordinary. What happened was on November the thirteenth, we had a gig a small festival in Belgium and we were due to start Motorhead Tour on the 15th and so we were doing our gig 
and we heard news that stuff had been going on in Paris. Next morning, get um, a message, Lemmy is not going to let terrorism stop the gig. So we, of course, France was locked down for a few days, or Paris was locked down, and, um, but we didn't know that at the time. So we drove to Paris and um, spent the night there, and that there were guards outside the hotel and so on, but of course the gig was never going to happen. But that was the start of the tour. And um, Mickey D was meant to be at the the Eagles of Death Metal gig, in fact. That was... Um, he, but he had jet lag and he fell asleep in the hotel. Wow. Thank God. <laughs> um, so it was really bizarre starting the tour, because it was meant to start in Paris on the Sunday, and the attacks happened on the Friday. So, of course, it was Motorhead, Saxon and ourselves. And that was sort of the Bingley Hall line-up. And, you know, you're looking at the back of the hall, wondering if, if you're going to see any guys with, a, you know, AK-47s or something. You know, it was a tour of... Um, there seemed to be a lot of sports halls, I think they were. You know, sort of 8,000 capacity or you know, pretty way up from theatres, that's for sure. And they were big venues. And they, they brought out the bomber. So every night, it's like, there's Lenny singing away, it's a bomber, it's a bomber. And you're going, <laughs> <laughs> that that's kind of surreal, really. Um, yeah, ever so slightly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then um, Phil Campbell got very ill on the tour. And um, so we're kind of twiddling our thumbs for a, a week, not knowing what was going on. It was pretty serious stuff. Um, so it, it was grueling. It was really grueling. Because there was... Lemmy had to pace himself. He wasn't very well at that point. So it'd be two gigs, day off, two gigs, day off. So there was a lot of hanging around. We didn't have loads of money to go out or do anything. Then there's this week where we're still staying in the hotels, not knowing we're going to be doing the next gig or not. So we kept driving to different cities, not waiting to see if the tour's back on. Um, and then the last time, that there was a, in Berlin, there was a party for Lenny for his birthday because some of the crew weren't going to be over in, in California to celebrate it. And so there was a big party at um, White Trash in Berlin. And... Um, yeah, I, I had a little word with him, but it, it was that was the last time, um, apart from on stage for the next few gigs, because there was then a three-week break or, or thereabouts, and um, or a bit longer, in fact, several weeks break, and then the tour was going to resume in Britain, and we were going to be filmed at Hammersmith, the three bands, for a big DVD. And, of course, Lenny died a few days after Christmas. Ah oh dear. That's... So it was literally in the middle of a of a tour. Yeah. But it had been well, the, the, the terrorist attacks were were of course uh, just horrendous in every way, but it felt very, very close to, to us. And then the the week of the gigs being cancelled it was it was 
really um, very challenging yeah. and very sad as well. It's it's a shame that it couldn't have been been filmed, but, uh, but yeah, strange times indeed. A real um, a real sad thing that, that that DVD never happened. But at least you got to um, to play with him and um, and and see him as well, so close to his passing. Well, the other thing was that um, the day before the Paris attacks and us flying out to do the, the gig in Belgium, Filthy died. Yeah, of course. So that was a total shock because, of course, everybody's thinking, um, you know, Lemmy's not well. We, yeah, obviously he wasn't going to be around forever. And so when it was Filthy, yeah, the... Yeah, that was that was quite a shock, and um, wasn't it was about sort of a year and a yeah a year and a bit later after Lemmy. So so yeah, within the space of a year and a quarter, the three amigos were gone. Yeah, and that yeah. somehow, but because we toured um, that three times with the with the more um, with the last lineup. That had become, you know, we were. That was our familiar motorhead. Yeah. But somehow, when when the when those, you know, the three guys all all passed within a year and a quarter of of each other, that somehow bonded them together very strongly again. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember seeing a very moving picture of. Um... Uh, of the cover of Ace of Spades, and it's just it's just a mound of sand with three bullet belts on it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it and it really it, it I remember seeing that, and that's when it it really hit home. Yeah. Enid, this has been this has been great. I can't thank you enough. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. You've been honestly, you've been wonderful, and um, and thank you so much for your time. Um, I wish I, I wish we could talk more, but um, uh, I've I've got to go and do another interview. <laughs> okay, could I could I just do a, do a call out? I'm, I'm getting my head around online stuff. I'll get there one day, <laughs> but I tend to be online as as Enid Girls School, and I know. I'm doing some stuff around rock musicians under rock astrology, and I'm going to be doing some some workshops. So, uh, so yeah, I tend to be online and with uh, as Enid Girl School or Girl School Enid or variations of of that and uh, rock astrology. So, um, I'll be um, putting some some stuff up there pretty soon. Brilliant. Okay. Well, look. Thank you very much. Good luck with all of that. And um, hey, My pleasure. Uh, uh, I'll be oh. listening to your. Uh, you're fresh. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you take care now. All right, cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And as always, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it, and I really did enjoy that. We had uh, we had a, we had a really really good chat. Well, as you heard, and um, and some stuff you didn't as well. And um, it was it, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hope you really enjoyed it. There is plenty more to come. Where that came from? Oh yeah, 
We have got interviews lined up for you. We're going to keep bringing you exclusive Motorhead stuff. And hopefully you are going to continue to enjoy it, continue to subscribe, and continue to listen. So as always, thank you very much for listening. Please do get involved. Hashtag the Motorcast. Um, spread the word. Let everybody know to subscribe to the podcast. And we can just keep on building this and building this. And you can say you are in from the ground floor. You were there when it all first started. And thank you very much for the support. Every single one of you. The figures have been great. The feedback's been great. And everybody from myself, BMG Records, the the whole Motorhead team are extremely pleased and happy that you're happy. So thanks for the support. And I'll catch you next time. I don't say agreed. The only God I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.